Merriam-Webster defines tools of the trade as a set of tools or skills that are necessary for a particular kind of job or work. An article I read included the words, the training and knowledge one needs to accomplish a task. Doctors have stethoscopes, otoscopes, carpenters have hammers and nails, hairstylists have shears, curling irons, and combs, teachers have whiteboards, markers, and computers. To effectively do what you need to do, you need to be equipped with the right tools. Like all these professionals, we need the right tools for our journey in life as well. We are told in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Trials and tribulations are a part of life. Jesus not only told us we are going to go through trials, but he also told us that we can take heart because we have peace in him and that he has overcome the world. Besides this reassurance, he also gave us his Holy Spirit to help us through our life. In this episode, my friend and fellow author, Karen Jurgens, talks about the tools she uses, which she calls keys, to help her through trials. Stay tuned. Welcome to Digging Deep for Treasures podcast. This is your host, Cecile Valoria, a Christian author and a retired teacher. This podcast is to encourage women to grow in their faith and harness the power of the Holy Spirit as we unearth scriptural truths so that we can live a peace-filled life in this fear-prone world. Now sit back, relax, and let's dig deep for treasures from His Word. Hi, Karen. I would like to welcome you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So to begin this, why don't you give us three things that you want us to know about you? Okay, three things. Well, I am originally a Cincinnati native, and I now live in Texas, and I've been here for 37 years. And so glad that I live in this state. I love it. And I am a retired teacher and I've been a single mother for probably 27 or 28 years. So I've raised my two daughters by myself and that has been a big part of my life. And now I'm a caretaker for my mother who is almost a hundred years old. After I retired from teaching, I started a ministry called Touched by Him. So this is something that I do. I, I write, I speak, I do podcasts, and I'm very thankful that you asked me to be your guest today. This is all part of my ministry that I'm hoping to bring to other people to influence them with, with the love of Christ. That is wonderful, Karen. Do you have your mom living with you? Yes, she's living with me. We started teaming up and we started living in the same house back when I was still teaching before I retired, simply because we lived so far apart and Uh I would spend the weekends with her. I would travel and it was just easier if we combined into one household. So we started that in 2011. So that was over 10 years ago. 
and we've been together ever since in the same household. So it just kind of evolved um, as she needed me to help her. Then I have been pitching in. So it's, that's kind of the beginning of how the caregiving started. Yes. So now I think we're ready to listen to what you have for us today. Okay. You know, my ministry, um, Touched by Him, is online at WordPress. And I got the idea when I, when I finally retired, the Lord showed me that He wanted me to have a ministry where I help people focus on trials and how to get through trials because we all have them. And my ministry is based on the book of James, specifically James one verses two through four. And, Uh but I'll be quoting a little bit later, but uh, the Lord showed me that he wanted me to try to help people who are going through trials because I had been through so many of them myself. And I had some keys that I feel are very helpful for people who are struggling and who perhaps don't even understand why they're going through trials. But as we all know, the last couple years with the pandemic, we've all struggled in one way or another. Some people have had the virus and recovered. Others have lost loved ones who have had Mm -hmm. the virus. We have been in lockdown. We've had to wear masks. We've been through all kinds of scenarios that were unexpected and that we've never had to endure before. So we've had a lot of, of struggles, a lot of trials. And people have lost jobs and are perhaps changing jobs. So finances have been a big, a big hit too. So, so those things, especially the last two years, I think bring people to the forefront of wanting to know why am I suffering? What kind of trial is this? When is it going to end? How can I get through the trial? So these are all things that the Lord has called me to try to address and try to help people in my ministry. So I will start with, um, as I grew up in my childhood, I had a very protective and very strict upbringing. I had Christian parents and they put me in a private school where it was just wonderful. I just lived a dream life pretty much. I had problems, of course, like everyone does growing up, but I never had trials. I had never experienced a trial. And the first time I ever experienced one was when I was a freshman in college. Uh And I had decided that I would go far away because I was from Cincinnati and I would go far away to the University of Arizona in Tucson. And of course, that was my first mistake going that far away from home at such a young age, having come from such a, a sheltered lifestyle and being away from parents and being in a sorority, going to parties dating the wrong kind of people, uh, Mm -hmm. all kinds of people. And I only knew one type of person that I had been exposed to growing up, but here was just everybody in the world. And I didn't know how to decide who was the right person and who was the wrong person. I didn't have that wisdom. And so I got myself into a lot of trials as a result of that. And I started skipping classes and my grades started going down for the first time in my life. And Mm -hmm. I really needed help. I was a mess. So um, my pastor back in Cincinnati was awakened in the night on several nights in a row. And 
I would come before him and he didn't know what was wrong, but he knew I was a freshman in college and he knew as freshmen are, they need help. (laughs) So he started praying for me and I didn't know this until later. I had no idea that this was going on, but the Lord was working because he was going to bring me back to him because I was obviously straying. So at Christmas, my pastor contacted me and I went to visit him and uh-huh. we had, we had a long talk and then that's when I rededicated my life because I knew that I had been on the wrong path and I needed to repent and come back. And after that, my mother, my parents actually transferred me to TCU, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh-huh. And it was the best thing that could have happened because I had a Christian roommate and her influence and, and her friends and going to church with her completely got my life back on the right path. And I joined a new sorority that was full of Christian girls. So God really took me out of a, a very bad situation and took me out of that trial and put me on the right path. I love how you talked about your pastor praying for you. Mm-hmm. even without him knowing what was going on with you. I see how God was covering you. Right. And I've had times when I would wake up in the middle of the night. And this is what I've learned is that when, when that happens to you, the best thing to do is really to pray mm-hmm. for whoever right. God sends you or whoever or whatever is in your heart. And see, I love that your pastor was obedient mm-hmm. in and was praying for you those times and how God has sent, sent him that message of praying for you. Because for me, I feel that that was the point of change where... God used him for your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. He certainly did. And if he hadn't been praying and if I hadn't met with him, I don't know, maybe God would have had another way that I would have come back to him, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. that was the way that he chose. And I was obedient. And I knew that I was in the wrong. And I wanted to repent because I had been raised the right way. And I knew that I needed to repent and come back to God. So um, it it didn't take much for me (laughs) to turn me back around. Thank heavens. But um, through my college years, I thought I was going to get married to a boyfriend I had. And unfortunately, when I was a senior, we broke up. And Uh from that point on, I floundered. I graduated from college and I was back in Cincinnati at that time. So I was going to a commuter school and really had no opportunities to make new friends because my boyfriend had been everything. So now I was floundering. I graduated. I taught my first year um, in a school and really it was so difficult. I really was disheartened by my career choice to be a teacher. And I, I tried very hard to be, become an airline stewardess. But God blocked that very, very severely. He did not allow me to become an airline stewardess. So for whatever reason, that was not in the plan for me. And I had to stay teaching. So I decided that I would go back to college. I went back to the University of Arizona and started pursuing my master's degree and hoped 
that I would meet someone else and be able to get married, just like I thought I had been going to be uh, getting married. So that's what I was doing. And that's when God really intervened in my life. And this is when God gave me a dream one night. Mm -hmm. And in this dream, I was actually standing inside of a flying saucer. And you know how today people are very interested in UFOs and that type of thing. Well, back in the seventies, I dreamed that I was actually standing in one Mm -hmm. and it was a small little saucer and I was standing in the middle and it was traveling through space. And I knew that there was an angel standing next to me. I didn't see the angel, but I sensed his presence and knew he was there. And I also sensed that he was the one controlling the spacecraft and he was Mm -hmm. controlling it with his mind. He was thinking Mm -hmm. it through space because there were no controls. There was no pilot. And it was just the two of us there. And I remember it was, as I looked through the glass, the glass was all around. You just like in the round flying saucer. Uh And it was the inkiest, blackest black I've ever seen in my life because outer space has no light. It's the absence of light. Uh But yet in the background were these beautiful white blazing stars that were absolutely stunning. And as we were flying through space, we were going in at a tremendous speed, but there, there was no movement in the craft. You didn't feel the, you didn't feel the speed, Uh but at one point as we were traveling, suddenly there were lines going through space and they were like diagonal lines going both ways. And it was almost like flying through a huge spider web. And they glistened in space. They were beautiful like diamonds. And we flew through those. And as we flew, the spacecraft slowed down. And in the distance, I saw a hand in outer space. And as we got closer, we slowed down. We arrived at the back of the hand. And it was a man's hand. And it was a right hand. And the spacecraft slowly circled around the back of the hand and came around to the front. And when it got to the front... Uh-huh. The hand was open and it was holding a Bible and the Bible was wow. open and uh-huh. the craft hovered and I started reading down the page and it started the book of James and it went down the first chapter and that's where I was reading. I was reading as it hovered and that's where the dream faded out and it was over. Uh-huh. So the next morning, the dream was so vivid and I knew this was from God. So I jumped out of a bed and grabbed my Bible and opened it up. And I couldn't believe it. It was exactly the same Bible that I saw in God's hand. It started on the right-hand side of the book Uh and went down. It was exactly my Bible. And so that's why James has always been so important to me because this was directly from God himself. And he was showing me that this is what I needed to study and read in order to be successful in life. And he was helping me, showing me these things. And so the the verses that I claim as my life verses are James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So um, I had to learn the difference between problems and trials And God was helping me, showing me 
that the, there are some keys that will help me, that would help me and are helping mm-hmm. me go through trials in life so that I can grow to be like him. Mm-hmm. And the main, the main, the main point is that our faith has to grow. And by growing our faith, that is basically how um, the Lord is going to use those trials to make us perfect in him. So first um, Peter verse four um, and verses 12 and 13 tells us, um, beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing were happening to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So we shouldn't be surprised. We should expect trials because mm-hmm. these are and you and I are both teachers, Cecile. We're both yes, in, yes. in the teaching background, and we would give our students tests, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is not anything to destroy us, because I used to think a trial was because I was bad or had done something wrong, and God was punishing me, and I had to go through this terrible time, uh-huh. and decided it was all right. But you see, it's not like that at all. A, a test is just like at school. It's just a test, and it tests our faith. And God is helping us and growing us so that we can get through life and get through these times with him in the middle of it. And it's nothing to fear. It's nothing to uh, think that God is punishing us because mm-hmm. he's not, but there, but he's helping us. This, this is such a blessing. When we see yes. trials as a blessing, then everything changes in our perspective. Uh, just like with the pandemic going on. When you, when you see these big changes, it's not sent to punish us, but God can use this to grow us and to help us grow in him. And so actually, as we get closer to the Lord, uh, our faith grows. And that's really the whole point. So God uses all these situations to grow our faith. Yes. And the other thing I have observed from the verses that you just shared with us is the word joy and rejoice. Mm -hmm. Several times in those passages you talked about, he talked about rejoice and consider it joy. You know, when you, you are talking about changing your perspective and seeing trials, Mm -hmm. not as punishments, but rather God's tools or ways to get us closer to him and to increase our faith Mm -hmm. then looking at these things with eyes that are fixed on these things as bringing joy in the long run is also really transforming how we see trials and challenges we have. So continue on things, Karen. This is so true. Exactly. Well, the Lord gave me tools, like tools in a toolbox to help me go through trials. So I think every time I hit a trial, I take out my toolbox and I see which tools will help because they're all different and they all do different things for us. But the Lord in his mercy has provided all this wisdom for us so that we can use these tools 
to help us grow and get through these trials and come out with joy, because that's really true. When we have joy and we know that God's in control, we do have overwhelming peace. And no matter what you're going through, God's in control and we can have perfect peace through him. We don't have to, we don't have to stress. We don't have to mourn. We don't have to weep, Um, but we can rejoice in him that he Mm -hmm. is in control and he will take us through. And probably for me, the thing I needed worst of all was wisdom. Mm -hmm. And then I love this about God because in James 1 through 5, James assures us that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. And the thing I love is the without reproach part. You know, yes. God uh-huh. never holds anything against us. If we make mistakes and we do things just simply because we're naive Um, Just like Mm -hmm. I was when I was in college and made a lot of mistakes. God doesn't hold any of that against us, but he gives to us lavishly his wisdom. And we don't even have to wonder if we receive it, but we know that we receive it because James tells us that he gives to all men generously and without reproach and we will receive it. But we do have to believe that we receive it so that we're not double-minded. And I think that was another thing that I had to get over was being double-minded, which means I had one foot in the world and I had one foot in the kingdom. Uh And I thought that I could just sit on the fence and just go either way, just depending because a lot of my friends that I grew up with, they were definitely in the world. I don't think I really Uh had many Christian friends growing up until I went to college and met a lot of Christian friends. And then somehow I didn't see myself as actually coming over fully to the kingdom yet. I didn't understand that that was important and that Mm -hmm. was being double-minded. So I created a lot of my own problems by being double-minded. And this is one thing that I did have to get over that I had to finally realize that I was being that way because James tells us that if any of us doubts, he compares it to the surf of the sea driven and Mm -hmm. tossed by the Mm -hmm. wind. And of course, around the world currently, there have been tsunamis and there've been all kinds of, of weather patterns that have stirred up the wind and the waves and people are, you know, being flooded. And so he brings that image to our minds that it's, it's almost like that we are part of that surf going every which way, just being blown by the wind. And he says, James says that if you're like that, you're not going to receive anything from God. So if you're unstable in all your ways, mm-hmm. you, you're just not going to get something from God. God doesn't work like that. God works with people who are stable, who are kingdom minded and have both feet planted on the side of the fence. That is the kingdom of God. So that was another key that really helped me through trials. And that's, that is very important, I think, to real to realize you have to choose one side or the other, you know, and it says in the word, you know, choose to stay who you will serve God or mammon. And mm-hmm. we have to choose God, you know, we know, we know the right thing to do, but we just have to do it. Yeah. And even in revelations, it talks about not being lukewarm. Yes. You know, yes. That either you are hot or you're cold. You can't yes. be in between. 
yeah, I think the reason why we tend to go whichever way is whatever works best for me right now. Mm -hmm, right. You know, is that kind of mentality mm -hmm. that we have to stand strong on our faith and like what you said, the the toolbox, the keys, mm -hmm. standing strong on your faith will keep you from being double-minded. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, as far as the faith goes, since you mentioned God gives to all men a little mm -hmm. faith as small as a mustard seed. We all have a mustard seed worth of faith planted in us, no matter who we are, every person. And is it going to grow? Is Are you going to water it with the word and let your, like the fruit of the spirit inside of you grow and your faith become strong? This is another tool for helping our faith to grow. And uh, along with that goes humility. You know, so many people nowadays really have trouble with attitudes. This is an attitude issue. And I think because I did grow up with a lot of people who were very prideful, it's very easy to copy that kind of attitude and to be, to be like them and maybe think you're more than you really are. So God really showed me about humility. And it's not like we can just turn on a switch and say, okay, today I'm going to be humble <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to get rid of my pride because it doesn't work that way. Humility, in order to be humble, God has to do a work in your heart and he has to really, uh, you have to really give your heart over to him so that he can take out all the pride and replace that with humility because we know where pride comes from, from, from the enemy, you know, Satan, when he was in heaven, when he was Lucifer, um, because he was so beautiful and he was like the, the most, he, he was the most prominent angel in heaven and a cherub. And, and he had, I can't quote all of his, his, uh, all of his characteristics, but I do know that he was, he was very beautiful and that beauty, um, made him get full of pride. And then he wanted yeah. to take over heaven and be God himself. So that's yeah. where the battle came in and, and he and the third of the angels were cast out, of course. So we know that pride comes through Satan and uh, humility comes through Jesus. Because when you think of it, um, Jesus was born of humble parents in a humble cave and he was placed in a humble uh, manger, which is a feeding trough for animals. And he led a humble life being a carpenter and then his three years of ministry. And then at the end, he was placed in on the humble wooden cross between the two thieves. And I think it's kind of interesting how wood was such a part of his life. This, this is a symbol of wood because yes. he was placed in a wooden trough when he was born as a cradle. And when he died. He was laid upon the cross when he was crucified. I just, I just think that's interesting. And, and he was a carpenter, so he worked with wood all his life. So I th there's probably a good study in there somewhere about wood. Yeah. <laughs> I love that connection, though. I love that, um, that insight into, mm -hmm. yeah, because I never thought about that. He started mm -hmm. in a trough, which is made right. of wood. Mm -hmm. And then he became a carpenter. Just mm -hmm. like his dad, right? Right. And mm -hmm. then he was crucified in a wooden cross. And going back to humility, while you were talking about that, 
it kind of brought me back to our story before this and your introduction about how you became your mom's caregiver and how it relates to also struggles and trials because caregiving with caregiving you go through a lot you go through struggles and trials and challenges right it's a very humbling place yes yes it is a very humbling place i think it's even humbling especially for the the person that you're giving care to because mm-hmm. they can't operate the way they once did and i think especially for my mother, I think it's been a very hard, it's been her trial. It's been a very hard trial. And I've been on her, on her journey with her, of course, through this trial. And hers started with her eye, with her retina Mm -hmm. detaching. And that led Mm -hmm. to five different surgeries and resulted in her left eye, or no, it's her right eye, actually not having any sight. She has, she can see light and dark, but she doesn't have any vision in it. And it's been a very hard journey, especially when she had to give up and really resign herself to the fact that she was going to be blind in one eye. And that was a very hard journey to take with her because she could not accept that that had happened to her. And she was the kind of person the Lord has blessed her so much with her during her lifetime. And she really hasn't suffered at all. Mm-hmm. Um, to speak of, she's never had any physical suffering. She, you know, she doesn't have never had cancer, never had diabetes, never had anything wrong, you know, except just minor things. And this was the first major trial that she ever went through at the age of 95. Wow. So I think over time, all these surgeries and the trauma of losing her eye really brought her to the point she is now. And mm-hmm. that's when she started aging because she, before that, she looked at least 20 or 25 years younger than she was. You'd never know that she was even aging. Yeah. She looked great. She'd always taken such good care of herself. And now she is still a beautiful woman, but her age is caught up with her now. And it's the hard part, I think, is when your loved one starts um, forgetting, being forgetful and entering yeah. into dementia. And that's been, that's been the trial that we're both going through. And I think for me, um, just being understanding and being patient Mm -hmm. when she gets mixed up or forgets or thinks other things that really aren't right. uh, That has been really my trial is to accept that and to take on that role of caretaker in a compassionate and understanding way. Because at first you just think, Oh, why can't you remember that? Of course, you know this. Of course, you know that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I can't agree with you. Yeah. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really been, it's been a journey and we're still on it. Um, But the Lord has done amazing things in her life. Um, For example, she just had a bad fall um, not too long ago and I had to take her to the hospital. She just completely lost her footing and started twirling around and ended up knocking into the wall. And I heard her head thud against the wall and I knew she was dead. I knew she killed herself. I started screaming and I couldn't stop. I was horrified because I couldn't get to her. It happened at home. And I was on the other side of the kitchen counter, you know, putting dishes in the dishwasher And she was on the other side of the counter and she just completely, I don't know what happened. She tripped on a rug or something and spun around. 
And mm-hmm. I could not believe it because every time she falls, I'm always there to catch her. I've always yeah. caught her. And I could tell you story after story of how I've caught yes. her from falling. Yes. And um, this was one time I, I couldn't get to her. And, uh, but you know what? She turned out all right. Yeah, and I couldn't believe it. I took her to the hospital. She had hit her head, but she was okay. And she really didn't ha- even have any bruises from the fall, which was miraculous. Yes. Because usually at her age, you just touch her skin and it bleeds, you know, it just yes. bruises. She was fine. And I remember when we were in the hospital, hospital, little emergency room together, and I was sitting in a chair and we were just being real quiet and I was praying and uh, we were waiting for the test results. Uh And I can remember, you know, that it's so interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard the angels sing in your mind, you know, but um, there are times when I will hear beautiful symphonies and from heaven, they're heavenly. Uh Yeah. And sometimes this was a hymn and the angels were singing a hymn. And I can't even tell you now what the words were or what the title was. It was, a, I'm familiar with the tune, but I don't know what it is, but the angels were singing and I know they were singing over us. And, you know, God is just everywhere. He's always with us, comforting us yes. and bringing joy. So here's an example of joy in the midst of trials. And uh-huh. When she got her test results, there was nothing wrong. And so we were rejoicing and we've been rejoicing. You know, we still have problems. You know, she still has dementia and, you know, we still have issues, but, but we're filled with joy because God has gotten us through those hard parts and those hard times. And she had, she's doing, she's doing fine. I mean, it's, it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) I can say the same of my dad, who is 95 years old also. Although he walks with a walker, his spine. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. My mother just now started using a cane because she she's developing some vertigo. So we're trying to make sure that she doesn't fall again. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very yeah. vigilant. I'm very vigilant. But um, along with that, and I can conclude with this story, um, I have a testimony when I was sick. And I know a lot of people are suffering with sickness during this time um, Uh from the virus, et cetera. But back in the 90s, I got violently ill and it happened overnight. All of a sudden, I was sick and flat on my back and I had no idea what was wrong. And I was praying and the Lord showed me. Do you remember how there used to be a poster um, of footprints in the sand and there were like two sets of prints and then it would go down one set and it says Uh oh god carried you god carried you through um that time when there was one set of well god brought that picture to my mind and he showed me that and he said i'm going to carry you through this trial i'm going to carry you through this sickness and i had no idea what was waiting for me i had no idea i was going to be so violently ill really i think i was dying, but that's another story. I, you know, I didn't die obviously, but I felt like I was dying. I've never felt like this before. I ended up in the hospital for two weeks and they did tests on me for at least seven to 10 days. They drew blood every, well, at least twice a day. It Mm -hmm. was, it was horrible. And I suffered so much. And then finally the test results came back that I had some kind of I, th- I think, and you would know this, is it, is it bacterial pneumonia that doesn't 
doesn't uh, react to um, antibiotics. One of them. It would be viral. Viral. Yeah. Well, I had yeah. viral. I had some kind of rare viral pneumonia that they had never seen before. Almost kind of like Legionnaire's disease. Yes. And and then I also had mono. I had mononucleosis. Oh, wow. And I'd had that in my life before, so this was the second time for mono. So the the combination of those two took me down so far and I had a fever of almost 105 every single day for oh over 2 goodness. weeks. And if you know anything about suffering with a fever, it is the most exhausting thing you could ever endure. And but it was interesting. While I was sick, the Lord actually spoke to me quite a bit. And one thing he taught me was that all that matters is the heart. And he showed me a heart and he spoke Mm -hmm. to my spirit and he said, all that matters is the heart because I, I don't know why I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it on the surface, Mm -hmm. but on a deep level, I didn't understand it the way he was showing me, but God can see people's hearts and we don't know if they really are Christians or they really aren't because people can pretend, for example, Um, but only God knows our hearts. Even we don't know our hearts as much as God Mm -hmm. does. He knows Mm -hmm. us completely. So he started teaching me lessons like that. And my road to recovery um, began. And at one point I really thought I was dying, but Uh, I got through that and then I was released from the hospital and it took me weeks and weeks before I could actually get back to taking care of my family. At that time I was married and had two small, my daughters were real small, like three and Uh six and they needed me so badly. But anyway, finally, when I started to get back up on my feet, I found that I was left with asthma that this whole experience with the, with the pneumonia and everything left me with asthma and I was on medicine, medicine, some kind of medication that I had to yeah. take every day for that. Anyway, long story short, I was going along, getting stronger, taking care of the girls, the house, trying to get back to normal. And down the road, all of a sudden, one day I realized, oh no, I have forgotten to take my medicine. I haven't taken it in like two weeks and I didn't oh even gosh. think about it. How could I forget that? <laughs> well, because my breathing, had actually healed and I didn't feel like I was asthmatic anymore, but I was so busy. I hadn't paid any attention and I feel kind of, you know, bad to, you know, it's kind of a strange thing to, to have to admit, but here God had healed me of that asthma and I didn't even realize it. But as I had walked through those days and had faith and I still prayed and everything, but I just didn't realize, Oh my gosh, I can breathe. So, so, That was another occasion to be so joyful because God got me through that trial and brought me back because I really never thought I'd be able to breathe again, you know, Mm -hmm. completely like I once Mm -hmm. did, but he, but I do, and I've never had trouble since. So that's just another example of the greatness of God and how he takes care of us and brings us through our trials and brings us complete joy and which, which, um, results in complete peace. You know, we have complete peace as we can walk through those trials. And it's amazing when you keep your eyes open for Mm -hmm. what he does, because sometimes we can miss the miracles Mm -hmm. that he performs in our lives. And he has pretty much shown you a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, with your mom hitting her head and coming out, got free, 
with you almost dying and still living. Exactly. Yes. Well, we do have uh, an ending date for our lives and only God Mm -hmm. has that in in his hands and his control. So I think the thing is not to fear, not to ever fear trials or fear, even when you're sick, because God is in control. And ultimately, if we are healed in heaven, then, you know, that's a good thing too. So, I mean, we don't have to fear at all. We don't have to fear because God is totally in control of our lives. And, and he showed me that um, all trials have a beginning, but they also have an ending. They may seem like they're never going to end, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, whether your trial is a short one of a few days or like mine, I went through a trial for years and years and thought that would never end, but it did. And I, I just rest in the fact that God will not give us more than we can bear, but he makes a way for us where there appears to be no way. So he won't allow, he won't allow the trial to overtake us to the point that we cannot endure it. And, um, he always will make a way and he will always comfort us and give us that peace as we're going through. I hope that that's, that's helpful. Those are some of the tools in my toolbox. I am sure that you have blessed all our listeners, including myself with Mm. this tools that you mentioned today. So Karen, how do we connect with you? Oh, well, um, my blog is located at karenjurgens.com. And that's where I blog usually now about once a month, but I have a lot of ministry on there that you can connect with me. Um, so that's really the best way. And I do have an account on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I guess you'll probably give that information. I don't have it memorized. But it's on the show notes. Yeah. So that yeah. people can connect with you. Yeah. I did write a book. I do have, I do have some books that I participated in some devotionals and I have one that I wrote too. So you can connect with me at Amazon as well. Okay. So can you tell us the name of your book so that we know what to get when we are searching on Amazon? Yeah. Yes. It's called A Perfect Fit. And it's about finding the right husband when you're in college. And of course, that was my trial that I went through. Uh, The purpose of writing that was it's fictional that I'm trying to help help young girls and also young men um, connect in godly marriage and, you know, show them ways that even though they go through trials, they can still come out with a happy marriage based in Christ. That was my purpose of writing that. I have worked with Karen in writing. We are both in the same writing critique group. And I have to tell you guys that I look up to her writing. If you know of someone who could just give you a cliffhanger (laughs) that will keep you wanting for more in her story, that's one thing I admire about Karen. So I am getting that perfect fit. I know I'm not looking for someone to marry because I am happily <laughs> married for 30 something years now, but right. just reading something that's written by Karen is such a treat for me. Oh, 
That's so nice of you. Thank you, Cecile. You're so sweet. And you're a wonderful writer yourself. My goodness. You're you're fantastic. Thank you. You are great. You are great. And I love your podcast. This is such a great idea. My goodness. I just pray God's blessings on it. I know it's going to help people and just go all around the world in great ways. Thank you, Karen. And I really appreciate your being here with us today. Any final thoughts to leave with our audience? Well, I think staying in prayer and really getting yourself into the word because the word is Jesus. As John Mm -hmm. tells us in chapter one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that is Christ. So he is the word and you can never go wrong in your trial as long as you stay in the word and stay in prayer. And so that's, I think those are two of the best tools of all. (laughs) I love your parting words. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Karen. You have blessed me today. Oh, well, you are a blessing to me too. And I just appreciate so much being a guest. Thanks again, Cecile. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Digging Deep for Treasures. If you enjoyed it, I'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss any future ones. Of course, it would be amazing if you leave a rating and review. This will help more women find the podcast and grow in their faith and peace. If you're not sure how to leave a rating and review, click on the podcast app you're listening to and look for the ratings and review option. I'd also like to invite you to join my private Facebook group so we can get to know each other more. It's a great community where we can engage, learn, and grow together. Just hop on to at Digging Deeper Treasures, then enter your name and email, and you'll receive an invite for the group. You can also connect with me on my website, cecilevaloria.com, or on Instagram at, at valoriacecile. Thank you once again, and may you have a blessed week. See you next week.